Movie Wars. Episode 0010. Goodfellas and Godfather, I just... Leave the podcast, take the cannolis. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 10, 0010 of the Movie Wars podcast. Well, I'm your host, Kyle, and like, like I'm, I'm funny how, like I'm a clown, like I amuse you. <laughs> as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a podcaster. I'm Drew. And I'm Phil. You're not a real man unless you spend time with your family. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's that's a good word. Did, that's not the word for word, though. Is that of that? Is no, it? probably not. Did you watch this movie? But also, <laughs> but we, we don't discuss business at the table. The funny what, thing is, Phil, what is this episode about? I just pick random. I just pick random quotes from the film that don't apply and say them. That's my Phil, thing. Phil came in and said, "Like this is like my third favorite film of all time," and he was just like, and then he totally butchers the quote. It's amazing. But no, that was close enough, right? Your host Kyle is spoiled two weeks in a row. Last time we recorded No Country for Old Men versus There blood and I can't believe right after we went these two movies Goodfellas and Godfather I just incredible films Goodfellas you guys are making fun of me my second favorite film of all time is Goodfellas I love it Martin Scorsese favorite director Joe Pesci third favorite actor of all time <laughs> oh but God. yes your your host is uh, completely just feeling spoiled today I asked myself the question when I was watching these films and I, I've, I've seen them both so many times but I spent a lot more time with Godfather because I've seen it a lot less than Goodfellas you know and my question came to the, this is the question that came to my mind why are we so infatuated with mob movies. They're so popular. There's so many different versions. So many different directors have made different versions of mob movies. They're very popular. And what hit me in my research is I have to give you a very brief history of mob movies because what I realized through studying for these films is you can't really tell the history of film at all without telling the history of mob films because what ended up happening in film history, the first notable film that depicted crime in a movie was a short film in 1898 called The Burglar on the Rooftop. Until then, it wasn't really a thing that happened in films where they depicted crime. Who's he stealing? Can shingles? Yeah, I know. It's it's literally just a short film of a guy on a rooftop with a piano. So, All right. <laughs> that was good. Nice score. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. What ended up happening was crime in movies was not a popular thing. What ended up happening when crime started becoming depicted in films, storytellers began to realize, and this is so foreign to us in 2021 where Walter White was like a hero in some ways and John Hamm as Don Draper was kind of a hero in some ways even though he's deployed horrible in other ways. Crime became this new key to storytelling. It was like, this is a new narrative for us. We don't just have to film people dancing and singing, even though we don't have sound and people slipping on banana peels. Like, this is a new thing for us. And another, <laughs> another, <laughs> what year is this a new thing? 1898. Wow, we're really on track. I know. Brief history. <laughs> yeah. Just 80 we're short years before I the promise. release of the first film. 25 years here. 1903, The Great Train Robbery came out. And this was kind of an introductory to Westerns. I was watching the special features for uh, Goodfellas and they had a film historian saying mob films were like westerns where you followed the wrong guy to, into the sunset. And that's how he described huh. them. Kind of mobs, mob movies became a type of western. Oh, that's good, yeah. But you're just following the wrong person. You segue this into what the early 1900s brought this country. We had a ton of Italian immigrants, people immigrating from all over, coming here to find the American dream. But another thing this historian said is that one, when you moved here, if you weren't Anglo-Saxon or Scotch-Irish, you weren't white. It didn't matter how white of an Italian you were or what the color of your skin were. If you weren't those two things, you weren't white. You weren't a made man. Yeah, exactly. And so people were not feeling 
represented. They were working their ass off trying to find the American dream and then prohibition in 1920. And so who became the hero? Even though Al Capone was a horrible person and did horrible things, when the Great Depression came in the 30s, alcohol was illegal. So it's like, we need to drink. It's illegal. So even though Al Capone and all these bootlegging mobsters were horrible people, in some ways, these were the heroes because they were making the hooch. Hang on, connection here. Al Capone, alcohol. You guys, <laughs> wow, man. Wow. I mean, universe, wow. right? For I'm those of you universe. listening and not watching, my brain just exploded. When you look at all these cultural elements, one of the reasons, and I have two big points to why we're obsessed with mob movies, but early on, there's also this reflection in, in the idea of the Don. So a lot of people don't know what a Don is. They think Don Corle Corleone was his name, but no, his name was Vito Corleone. Don is a word which translates to great uncle or great and respected uncle. In Italian villages that were outside of metropolitan areas or populated areas, the Don or, and I'm probably butchering some of this, so forgive me, Italian. But there was the idea of an elder. There was an elder who oversaw the village. And whenever the when immigrants came over here and tried to start businesses and they were being prejudiced against by Americans, that, that idea of the elder, the village elder, was very important. So when you have all these elements, Italian immigrants being hated by Americans, you have prohibition, you have bootlegging, you have the Great Depression, all these things added up to people started to really idealize the gangster that they were seeing on cinema as a true hero because they felt so represented in a country where all these bad things were happening and and you were hated, right? And so this idea of the gangster became very glorified. And we see that some in modern culture as well. Moving forward, I want to fast forward to 1969. This is another important year because this was the year that Godfather was written by Mario Puzo. Now, and Drew, you're going to love this as a, Drew is not just a resident movie fan, but you love going to the theater. It was the worst year in history for cinema. There were, there like were. fiscally? Fiscally. Never had there been fewer people buy movie tickets and go to theaters. Because everybody was at Woodstock or? Correct. Yep. Jimi Hendrix had taken over at this point. I don't know. Charles Manson? <laughs> Charles Manson had killed everyone. Jimi <laughs> Hendrix had gotten them all out to shows so Charles Manson could kill them. It was just, it was fucked up. All right. It was weird. <laughs> it was a weird time. Good I, times I, in America. Yeah. But people were writing about the movie industry as if it were extinct. Journalists were writing about this as if movies were literally over, like Hollywood had ended. And so this was an interesting time because Paramount was bought by a venture capitalist firm, which is who hired Francis Ford Coppola to make Godfather. The interesting thing is, because they were venture capitalists and they weren't artists, and uh, Francis Ford Coppola and George Lucas had started this film company together. He's like, I don't want an artist. He's like, I don't want Al Pacino. I hate Al Pacino. I don't want Marlon Brando. He's an artsy fartsy. Like, he just hated everybody. And it literally took until the scene where Michael shoots Salazzo in the face. Until then, they kept trying to fire Francis Ford Coppola. They're like, we don't want Brando. We don't want Pacino. But finally, Coppola made it long enough to show him that scene because it, what they wanted was what was in the book. The book was pulpy. The book was like, it had elements of pulp fiction. It was a little bit sexualized. They wanted kind of a pulp fiction-y, comedic, laughable, you know, Italians like, oh, eat the sauce. They wanted to do the old timey thing they used to do to Italians in movies. But they saw that scene and they finally got it. It's like, oh, this is what the Godfather is. Yeah. And it just clicked in their mind that this is not the traditional Italian, we make fun of Italians, you know, gangster movie. Like, and the last fast forward I want to do is to 1990 when we get Goodfellas. Goodfellas doesn't exist without Godfather, but they're two different films because I read Wise Guy as well, which is the book that Goodfellas is based on. It's almost like the behind the music. Remember, VH1 behind the music. Uh, yes. it's, it's it's very similar because what you get with the fiction of Godfather is kind of a romanticized, beloved portrait being made of mob life, whereas Goodfellas is more like the how-to guide. We're seeing the behind-the-scenes work. We're mm -hmm. literally seeing the workmanship. When you read the book, one thing it doesn't fully highlight is how much ingenuity there is to being a mobster. A great example is Henry Hill in the book talks about one of the first times he got pinched. They sent him with a stolen credit card to the market to pick up food for the gang when he was like in his Pinched teens. means arrested. Thank you, right, resident. 
there we go. Thank you, resident Italian. And the guy realizes it's a stolen card and calls the police and he gets arrested. His response wasn't mad that he was arrested because someone gave him a stolen card. His response was, if I would have known it was stolen, I could have given it to the gas station guy for reward money and we would have split it. Like the way that Mark Cuban thinks about entrepreneurship and starting businesses, that's the way mobsters, that's why they call it organized crime. And through studying these films, that's what hit me. It's like, it's organized crime because it's organized crime. These people are like Michelin star chefs with crime. They paid people not to rat them out. Like it was simply the cost of doing business. It's like, what? yeah, they're incredible businessmen. They just took a different path. Yeah, instead of hiding everything, they just were kind of out in the open. But then like, we're going to pay you or we're going to kill you. And that's kind of like they're, they didn't. They, and any of these mob bosses could have been CEOs of legitimate companies because they were that skilled. But, you know, you they just took a different path and that's what they did. And that's exactly. kind of how it worked out for them. So all that fancy history aside, my real big point here is I really think one of the reasons we love mob movies, Goodfellas, The Godfathers, Departed, all these movies that are mob, because the average American or the average person is really so distant from these things. I just I watch these movies and I enjoy them. But if I read about them happening in real life and real time, like if I was alive when Henry Hill was actually doing the Latanza heist, I'd be like, oh, that's despicable. I can't believe anyone would do that. But you glorify it in entertainment, I'm like all in. The average person just can't imagine killing someone over money or stealing or distributing drugs or banging multiple women when you're married but still going home and kissing your kids on the mouth. It's so far from us, but we can't look away. And the way these directors depict it in Godfather and Goodfellas is so well done, so perfect. Godfather's more romanticized, but it's just, we can't look away because most of us, you know, there's some sick puppies out there. Don't get me wrong, but most people aren't sick puppies, right? So I think that's... Well, <laughs> thank you, Phil. Well, to your point, I think it's why people play Grand Theft Auto or Halo or, of course, like what's happening on the screen is disgusting and brutal and violent. But there's like a tongue in cheek thing totally. happening where it's like, eh, it's, it's not your Yes, life. it's violent, but it's not glorifying the violence. It just sort of like it's kind of like it hams it up in a sense. It's not your life. It's different than what you're used to. And it's like anything. You get to step into a different experience for a period of time and, and, and you know, get to maybe Maybe while you're watching The Godfather, you you feel something because you see it's not just these gangsters that are out there just like, ah, here you are, you motherfucker, and they're just blowing each other away. It's like you're seeing these guys have weddings and be with their families and, you know, get married and, and you're watching their life event, events play out in tandem with them handling their business, quote unquote, which usually involves pretty dirty, seedy shit. So uh, here's what we'll do. We're going to talk about how we experience these films. Today's question is... If you're Henry Hill, do you rat out your friends? Because remember, you don't rat out your friends and you keep your mouth shut. Drew, how did you experience these films? And if you're Henry Hill, do you rat out your friends? The fellas, the father, what a matchup. I love this matchup because the movie The Godfather is, you know, you're stepping into this association of organized crime. and But ultimately, the movie is about The Godfather. It's about Don Corleone. Whereas The Goodfellas, the protagonist is very clearly just a fella. Like, it's not, he's not the dude. He's not the guy. Like, he's kind of he's this, he's just a guy. He's just a fella who's stepping into this world. Not even Sicilian. Takes the viewer in with he's him. He's Irish, right? Irish and Sicilian. So it's kind of two interesting perspectives of the of a similar world so uh the godfather I, I watched in college it was fine i thought it was a little slow my you know i didn't really love it i wasn't really compelled by 
mobster movies at the time, but Goodfellas I watched for the first time for this podcast. I've only seen it once, and I feel like I need to watch it three or four more times because the movie just freaking flies. Like, it just, the pacing is just boom, boom, boom. Like, But it, it reminded me of that video game effect to where it was like, it, it was so violent, but it was done in such a way it didn't feel brutal. Like, obviously what was happening was, I mean, get you guys are hanging dead in trucks and, like, you know, it's, it's awful, awful things what these humans are doing to other humans, but, like, it felt very cheeky and hammy and just kind of like fun and you're just immersed in that world so as usual I'm stoked to talk about these movies with you guys because I know you're both big fans so I want to hear people who are like uh, lifers of this genre I want to hear from you guys because I I'm relatively new to the the gangster mobster vibe and you're Henry Hill and you've been pinched what do you do you rat on your friends hell no you can't you go down swinging that's great advice Life lessons. Phil, my fellow mobster. to steal a a word from Kyle, I am a godfather lifer. This was a movie that we watched as a family when I was a child because this, (laughs) there was some bizarre identification in my family that went with this movie because we are half Italian and, you know, our family comes from the Northeast and, and a lot of these areas that are in these movies and my parents, my grandparents, they all kind of identified with this film. They had a deep love for for the godfather on a level that other people don't hmm. and even to this day when i watch it it's like i understand all of it it's like it's not that like i'm seeing something from a distance it's like i get that like there's a weird familial thing going on there that it's like i get it um so more so because they relate to the family dynamic less than the criminal dynamic or oh uh, no yeah less i mean less directly the criminal dynamic but definitely the family dynamic because the thing i think we've talked about this in other podcasts is the the mob is just an extension of the close-knit nature of the Italian family and the Italian family is usually big you're together a lot for meals you're there's just the integrity of the family unit and the mob is just an extension of that the family unit has now turned into a business where there it's mutually assured destruction and the whole you don't rat out your friends thing that I mean that is ingrained in you as as a child as a kid you tattletale on somebody it's not just like don't tell on your friends I mean you were like brutally corrected and there's this scene in the godfather where they're in the casino like toward the end of the movie and he's talking to mo green and fredo is kind of like defying michael in front of mo green and he he says don't what does he say he's like don't ever go against the family again in front of the family yeah it's like there's like a loyalty thing where it doesn't matter what anyone in your family did you will take up for them and that's so ingrained in the italian culture and probably you know a lot of other cultures too but that's why like for me godfather i grew up watching that as a kid. This is like my Kyle thing. I've probably seen that movie not 60 times or 100 times, but a dozen plus times. Your ratio of that. Yeah, my ratio. I don't watch as many movies as either of these guys. That's a Phil to Kyle ratio. Yeah, the Phil to Kyle ratio which is like 1 to 17 plus. Uh, I've probably seen this movie a dozen times and it was just a huge part of my life growing up. The irony though is true there is a lot of loyalty but those guys are turning on each other left and right too. So it's like there's kind of a flip side. It's like there's this code, this honor that they all live by, quote unquote. Henry Hill talks about that, so there's a commentary, which is really funny. The Goodfellas commentary with Henry Hill is really funny because it's basically just him affirming all the stuff. He's just like, I remember when that happened. Like, (laughs) that's literally the (laughs) commentary. But he says, he goes, the thing is about loyalty is there's a life cycle, a mobster life cycle like when you get in. And this is how Martin Scorsese directed the film. He wanted to pull you in to make you fall in love with it. He wanted you to feel like you want to be best friends with Jimmy Conway and with Tommy. But he made that scene with Spider, that bar 
bartender uh, after he shoots his foot and then the second time he shoots him. He wanted that to be the moment where you realize that these are not people I want to be friends with. And yeah. the reason was is because Henry Hill told Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro, he's like, there's a life cycle. It's like you think loyalty, friendship, you know, you don't rat on your friends, but the big know, difference, it always turns around. The big difference between Goodfellas and The Godfather, though, is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the guys in Goodfellas were not all related and they correct. weren't related at all. Barely. They were just kind of part of the same gang. Whereas The Godfather, they were all related. That was a family. That was the Corleone family. And short of a few of their outside guys that they had brought in and some of the families that they'd taken under their wings, that was a very much a family, a traditional Italian mob family situation. So, But they did touch on the family aspect at the wedding when he was like, when all the women were named Marie and all the guys were yeah. Polly and 12 know, Peter, 12 Pauls. Or Peter, yeah, yeah. Before we get to the question, I, you prompted a question, or before we get to the Henry Hill question with you, what you said prompted a thing with me. You talked about how it's a top three for you, kind of like I talk about my top threes. Yeah. Isn't it weird? I, I think one of the, as fans, and we are fans, we're not critics, one of the prerequisites for being a top 10 film for me is that I ha it has to get better, even if I I've seen it a bunch of times. Oh, yes. And Godfather, or Goodfellas for me is that. Every time I see it, somehow it's better. Maybe because I read the book for this too. Like, mm -hmm. But I watched it twice for this podcast and I was like, good Lord, this just gets better and better. Is that for yes. you too? Man, isn't that oh, yeah. crazy? I All those like movies. I've, yeah. I've recently d discovered the art of the rewatch. And if you're listening out there and you love film and you like to, you know, kind of dive into all kinds of movies, I highly recommend re-watching. Because when I was younger, I was always thinking like people would say, hey, we're going to watch this or, you know, you want to go see that? I'm like, no, I already saw it. Why would I want to watch it and spend another two hours to see a movie? But man, in film, it's different than TV or books, but like in film, the narrative moves so fast and the pacing, especially in Goodfellas, it moves so quickly that you miss things. Like you, you can't help but miss things, especially when you're with people and you hear, you know, you don't hear things or, you, you know, whatever. And we change. And we change. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, uh, I was, you, you consume it and then it consumes you a little bit. Phil, if you're Henry Hill, you rat on your you friends. You don't rat on your friends ever. <laughs> PSA. I'm don't not, do that. Oh, a Phil PSA. me off. When I saw that happen, he's in there, he's pointing people out. Don't do that. Now, granted, his wife flushed down 60 grand worth of coke. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know. Oh, why did you do that? Bye, baby. That we was all we it. had. They yeah. were going to they weren't gonna find it. Lorraine yeah. Bracco, I gotta give you so much actress credit for that. Ah! Yeah. It sounded like you were being stabbed to death. Um, <laughs> it's like no. when your wife gives the kids like the snack that you were looking forward to all day. Like, ah! <laughs> that was the last she yeah. I have, you do not rat on your friends and you do not ever turn on your family. Like, it doesn't matter what they do, man. Like, that's all you got at the end of the day. Friends come and go, but dude, family is, whether you like them or not, you But know. Leota, at the end of the movie, he was, when he was coming down off his cocaine high, as was the audience. Did you say Yoda? Leota. Leota. Oh. <laughs> Ray Leota. Jake Lomato. Did you Yoda... look at the cast of these movies? <laughs> it was like when Yoda was coming <laughs> off his... Oh, no, that's <laughs> next week. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Stoned off my ass, I am. No, when he was, you know, when everything was unraveling at the end of Goodfellas and he was saying, I, I don't know, I'm going to botch the quote, but it was something to the effect of when you're a part of a group, they don't tell you when they're going to cut you out of the group. Like, that, like when you're- There's a, truth to that. Yeah. And I think loyalty goes as far as the other people in the group are willing to extend it to you. And to me, that's more family. Like, I, to me, it's more you don't rat on your, friend, your family and you don't, you always have your family's back. Um, the way I experience these films is it's really weird 
weird. Goodfellas was always in the house. Uh, my dad was a narcotics officer, which was always funny because he loved crime movies and detective movies. And we just had Goodfellas. We had it on VHS. And when it came out on DVD, my mom managed to get it on DVD. It was just a regular film in our house. For some reason, though, Godfather was not. There was like a just a people just didn't care for Godfather. It's not the same pace. It's slow. It's different. It's long as hell. It's not as rewatchable. Um, also, the timing. I mean, it came out in the early 70s. And Goodfellas, this, when you were a kid, you would this would have been early 90s. That yep. was right when Goodfellas kind of took over. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Goodfellas is definitely more mm. of a fun film to watch than Godfather. Sure. Godfather's like mm. you're watching a book play out in front of you, you know? Yes. Goodfellas, one of the reasons one of my top films is I just, I grew up with it. And even at a young age, and I shouldn't have ever watched it at a young age. Again, we've gone over that podcast. I've seen so many movies when I shouldn't. But, Thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> but again, it unfolds for me. Like, I watched the special features, and, and this time, one thing I learned that I didn't know, because I got the 4K special edition, and it has a ton of documentaries. And wow, one thing you said, okay, it, brag. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> got a PS5. I, I, don't don't know. I got the 4K, 4K plus Master Supreme. I'm still watching things bonus. on VHS, yeah. Kyle. Euro European edition. Keep rubbing your riches into my face. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. But, you listeners are paying our host too much. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Rayleigh, or uh, one thing Martin Scorsese said is he was he he approached some of the frames on this movie like they were portraits, like they were paintings. And and one thing he used, and I never noticed this, he did this one thing where he wanted to zoom in on the hammer on the gun, like where when you cock the weapon. He zoomed in on it because when you look at it from a certain angle, it looks like a crane, a bird, a crane bird. <laughs> A and bird, a bird. It's a, a bird. bird. It's a crane. A crane. It's a crane. I didn't, I didn't want to think of a like a crane, like a like a construction crane. It looked like a bird, and I was like, "Nah." And they they froze, and it's the perfect just square. It's just the perfect portrait. So the, this film has just grown. I've seen it so many times. Which Got one? Uh, Goodfellas. Godfather, I didn't see until I was 21 and I had moved here and I still had the physical Netflix subscription. I, I rented all three of them and watched all three of them in one week and I didn't love it the first time and I think it's because I just wasn't mature enough to respect the pacing but watching it for this, man, like a lot of, and maybe and one thing that's happened since in is Apocalypse Now has become one of my top five films and that's a Coppola film. Now that I we'll know We'll get Cop to that. We'll get to that for sure. But now that I love Coppola, understand Coppola, I've drank his wine, uh, you know, <laughs> The couple of wine. <laughs> Um, Shout out to that gold threading. Oh, the Claret. That. Oh, that's it's a, a great nice wine. wine. He, they're not sponsoring the show, but if you like wine, go out and get the Claret, the Coppola with the gold netting. It's a good cheap bottle. Fantastic. But, uh, you know, and so I, after growing this love for Coppola, I went back and I just, I'm like, wow, like this film, this film was fantastic. So anyway, that's my experience with these movies. Joe Pesci, to me, I just can't get enough of him in Goodfellas. I mean, the am I funny scene? Do I make you laugh scene? That thing. Iconic. Well, yes. Improved, by the way. We'll get to no. that. That film is Are you serious? completely improved. Basically, they did a few rehearsals. Like, they had some words on paper when they were doing the scene for, you know, Do I Make You Laugh? Right. So that scene wasn't in the book, Wise Guy. So most of Wise Guy is the true story of right. Goodfellas. But that is actually so, if you don't remember this from Raging Bull, before Joe Pesci was casted in Raging Bull, he was managing an Italian restaurant. And that's what he was doing. He wasn't even acting until Robert De Niro and Scorsese plucked him out. This scene is based on something that happened to Pesci managing that restaurant. This whole wow. somebody like went to town on him. I'm funny. You think, and it's a real experience from Pesci's life. So they pulled it not from the book, but from Pesci's life. They had some rehearsal. They kind of went through it, but none of the cast knew. So all the mob guys surrounding him, the crew, they didn't know what Pesci was going to say oh or do. God. But Le did Leo. So that like uncomfortable tension. Wow. Yeah. That's why that scene is so good. I feel yeah. like Leota was a freaking mm -hmm. comet in that scene. Yeah, he was like, like, he was, yeah, just, like was lost. They were he like, he was yeah. dying, laughing. It felt so 
real and so yeah. genuine. That makes so much sense. Yeah, and so and that's why that pause is so amazing. The pause where Leto goes, "Oh, get the fuck out of here." That was them like trying to time that tension perfectly in an improv moment. That's flawless. That man. is Pesci just going to town. And if you wonder why I'm such a Pesci lifer, that Lifer. scene is why. And then his acceptance speech when he won Best uh, Supporting Actor, he literally <laughs> goes so good. He goes on stage and says, "It's a privilege," and just walks off. <laughs> yeah. That is why he's amazing. No, he goes, it's it's my privilege, and then just walks off the stage. Yeah, just so Pesci. Anyway, completely improv. And to think about how long, and that's what blow, we talk about that a lot on this podcast about how some of the best lines and best scenes were accidents or improv. Like, but Pesci ma- having the mastery of acting and knowing that in the like before Raging Bull, he was managing an Italian restaurant, and to know that he has that kind of control over acting. How how did him and Leota pull that off? And what, my favorite part is actually, and this is underrated, but I love it when he goes, "Hold on, hold on." When one person goes, hey, he didn't mean anything by it. And Pesci goes, or Tommy goes, no, hold on, hold on. He knows what he said. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. That was improv. I mean, that's just actors in their element doing their thing. We're in the randos now. We're perfectly in the randos. But what would you do if you were Henry Hill? Oh, if I was Henry (laughs) Hill? Well, again, just like No Country when I said I wouldn't be outside hunting, I don't even, if I wanted to start doing cocaine today, I would have to like Google where to get cocaine. Like, I don't know where to get cocaine. (laughs) You all from a coke dealer. Uh, You call your boy Drew. Oh, that's right. That's right. Right, Drew, yes. And we got to talk about that, by the way. I got a guy. Yeah, your nose is... I, you... I am a guy. <laughs> the cocaine. But, um, you know, I... And Phil, you're going to hate me with your Italian blood. I'm a tattletale. The minute that I feel uncomfortable and the feds gave me a deal, I am on that deal. But it kind of... what kind Now show... I know who to leave out of all my business deals. But it does make me question. I do know how... I do know that, you know, Wise Guy is so accurate, but how exaggerated is it? Because Henry Hill is doing all these in-person interviews and he was in witness protection and he died recently, rest in peace, but no yeah, he died a couple no. years ago, I think. But you would think the mob would be able to find him and kill him, but now he's doing all these interviews and he. And I don't know. So this is actually pretty ignorant on my part. I don't know which mob that was exactly. So I don't know how tight knit they were, if they were based off of a family thing, or if they were expressly Italian or not, because there were a lot of Italians in it, but there were also a lot of Irish people. In right. It. So it could have been that after he was put into witness protection, they broke up that entire cell, mm-hmm. and then it was just no longer a threat. Yeah. So if he's out there talking about it with his identity, then it must have been that that mob was no longer just no longer a threat at that point. He died in natural causes, which makes me think of the no country Tommy Lee line. They died in natural causes, natural to the line of work he was in. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a hilarious rando to me. Erwin Winkler, who produced Rocky and then Martin Scorsese recruited to do Raging Bull because he wanted a boxing guy. Well, they they had a relationship after that. They worked together a lot because he also produced Goodfellas. If you recall from Raging Bull versus Rocky, he didn't want Stallone, okay? Yeah. He was wrong. Well, guess what? For Goodfellas, he didn't want Leota. Now, I know he's a great producer. He's won several awards. He's produced some of the greatest films of all time. We're all good at different things. But who is this guy? Yeah. No, I don't want Stallone. I don't want Leota. Who huh. is this guy? You know, he might be really great at one thing. He's like a bean counter. He direct- wants to make money. He wants to look at the past instead of think about the yeah. future. Yeah. That's true. Both of them. So Stallone was an unknown. Leota had only done a little bit of in plays. In general, and- people as a whole, especially when they're tasked with large budgets, their, their default's going to be to go 
with known quantities. Mm -hmm. Show they're, me data. Yeah, they're I'll, not yeah. going to want to take right. risks when you're working with Scorsese, when you're working with what you know is going to be a smash gangster film. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not going to take risks. You don't want to take risks. So, you know, I understand that perspective mm -hmm. from, from somebody like him. I yeah, but there's something to be said. He's wrong, obviously. You're 1,000% right, but you look at Nolan, like, he, how he utilized Tom Hardy in Inception, who and Hardy had done mostly independent films. Like, there is something to be said for that that director or producer who, like, just sees talent. You know what I mean? And I just think, and eventually he warmed up to Stallone, but I just think it's comedic that he tried to pass on two greats. Can we just talk about how The Godfather found Al Pacino when he was super young, Robert Duvall when he was super young, James Caan, James Caan, Diane Keaton, who was so young I couldn't recognize the first time. It was It's like drafting Tom Brady like five times yeah. in the sixth round, like lightning struck. So today's casting category is going to be interesting because I'm kind of categorizing it from a sports perspective. The youth of the unknown Godfather cast that would be versus kind of this tenured De Niro, Pesci. Oh, yeah. This lifelong Frank Vincent, this lifelong Martin Scorsese mob crew that we talked about in Raging Bull where he started to have the same guys. So, I mean, yeah. it's going to be an interesting casting. That's I love that point. The young Pacino, by the way, amazing. He was so good. Follow up to that rando. The traditional path to acting, you know, you read, you read the part, you do a table reading. Marty, or I call him Marty because I'm such a fan. Martin Scorsese. He's your boy. He, he's he call boy. him Marty. He's your yeah, uncle. I mean, we were texting earlier. Yeah, we were he texting told me earlier. Not to say something yeah. about it. He couldn't sister. make it today. I'm sorry, guys. He didn't make Leota read for the part. He just kind of took him out to dinner and talked to him and got a feel for him that way. So he didn't make Leota do a table reading for the part. He just talked to him over dinner and that's how he picked him. Love it. Um, Love when people break tradition mm -hmm. to find greatness. Mm -hmm. So one of the most interesting dynamics was for this film, for this rando, is that they had infinite access to Henry Hill. Henry Hill was more than happy to have a movie based on him. When you hear him in the commentary, he's like, yeah, I did that. I killed that guy. He's, it's basically just him affirming all the shit, <laughs> which is kind of comedic. That's incredible. But he, the only person he didn't want to meet Henry Hill was Ray Liotta, who played Henry Hill. They had hours of tape. So Nicholas, Nick Pileggi, who wrote Wise Guy and wrote the screenplay for Goodfellas, he had hours of tapes from interviews of Henry Hill. All he did was let him listen to him. But who did have infinite access was Robert De Niro. And Robert De Niro, who we've talked about with Taxi Driver, he drove cabs for six months in Manhattan to prepare. Raging Bull, he was trained by Jake LaMotta to box. I mean, he's a guy that gets in the role. So for this, they said that six to eight times a day, he had Henry Hill in his trailer to ask him little questions. And this actually stuck out to me in the second time. Like, he asked him, how did Jimmy Conway use ketchup? Because it was well known that Jimmy Conway liked ketchup on his Italian food, even though his sauce is amazing. And if you notice in the scene where they're eating with, uh, with Tommy's mom at her house on the way to bury Billy Bats, he rolls the ketchup in his hands. He doesn't slap the glass bottle. He rolls it. You know how like when you're playing Play-Doh with your kids and you make snakes? Totally, yeah. He's rolling it <laughs> because he brought Henry Hill into his trailer and said, how did Jimmy Conway put ketchup on That's stuff? Incredible. And so six to eight times a day, Robert De Niro had Hill in his Love trailer to ask him how Jimmy people. Conway did because, yeah, and so Ray Liotta didn't ever meet Henry Hill during the filming, but uh, Robert De Niro did. Interesting choice by Martin Scorsese. Speaking of the scene where they have dinner, you know who plays Tommy's mom? Mommy's Tom. In that scene where they're eating, where she makes some food after they're they're about to no. build. Great That's scene, Martin but... Scorsese's mom. No! And she was perfect. No rehearsal. Wow. No script. He just said, Mom, 
you go in there and be you. And they had Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci just react to her. That's so no, good. They didn't read a script. And the, the part this where... Is this the one where they came in when they had the body in the trunk? Yeah, and Pesci, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I had to cut yeah. the thing off with the thing. You know, what? what's it called? The, the paw. Yeah, the paw. yeah. And the paw. Like, Hoof. Mom, I settled down <laughs> every night and the next, the next day I'm free again. You yeah. know? So the only time Martin Scorsese coached her to do anything was to lift the painting. And again, didn't tell De Niro or Pesci or Leota that she did it. Rando. And the funny stuff that Pesci says about the guy is like, hey, it looks like the guy, we, you know, because he's saying that he looks like Billy Bats, the guy in the trunk, but just with a beard. He's like, the dog's looking this way, that dog's looking this way, so what? That's all just improv, but all the only amazing. thing Scorsese told his mom to do was, hey, lift the painting. Wow. So that's amazing. And he said, he said, just talk to them like you talk to my friends because, and we talked about this in the Departed episode, but Scorsese, the reason he's so familiar with all this stuff is these are the people that he grew up with in New York. He grew up with mobsters. And the only reason they didn't let him run with him is he had asthma. And so, but he was, he's friends with these people. So his mom growing up, the people that she made food for and lunch and dinner were potential mobsters. So just such a great rando knowing that's his mom. And she, she was so, like you said, Drew, perfect. No rehearsal, no script. All right, let's move over to some randos for Godfather. I don't know how this happens. The horse head in the infamous scene, I, I, what I think is probably if, if you're just a surface level Godfather fan, this is the scene you think of with the horse head. That was a real horse head. Of course it was. Did they not have... Does that happen in 2020? No. No way. It doesn't happen Peter in 1980. Peter is up your ass. Yeah. How? <laughs> Did they not... Remember the... What's the thing? No animals were harmed in the making? I guess that wasn't a thing. Yeah. Wait, so they killed the horse for this? I don't know where the horse head came from. It's just a real horse Horses head. Horses do die a lot. They have a lot of heart attacks. I know. So it's probably not that far... Okay. To, mm. That hard to I was going to say, horses. it's yeah. different. And you got to have glue. It's different if they just... <laughs> Yeah. Oh the glue factory. It's different if they like that were in communications with like a horse company that puts Listen, horses down. When I don't one know, of your horses are dies. Are horse companies? Like a pound for horses. Kind of like in When their- one of your horses dies, you send a body to me. I'm going to chop his fucking head off and put him in a bed with a dude. That's the reason we do a movie <laughs> podcast. And there would be blood. We talked about all the. With a dude. And there would be blood. We talked about all the bread stores. Now we're talking about horse yeah, companies. Ho- horse, horse companies. <laughs> so you go to the horse company, you say, like, look, you know, when one of your horses has a heart attack and falls over. We're going to chop his head off. And the owner's like, yeah, whatever. Fucking take him. So this shocked me a little bit, but it also didn't shock me. Mostly because of Marlon Brando, who has one of the worst reputations in Hollywood. I mean, God rest his soul, he's dead. But Marlon Brando used cue cards because he said memorizing lines makes you deliver them like a robot. So he wanted to use cue cards because for him, he felt like it made him give the lines better. Everyone's different. But isn't that weird? Because that's more like a live show thing. You don't typically do cue cards on a film. Do you have the rando and they're about the cotton balls? Go ahead. Talk about it. The the way Marlon Brando made his face look the way it did was he shoved cotton balls in his cheek and mm-hmm. shoved them way down in there to make his face look wider and make himself look older. I read I read that, and there's some people that say that was true and some not. But you, it, It's possible that it's, it's not possible. true, but I've that's one of those like uh, urban legend mm-hmm. things that you hear as a, as a lifelong mm-hmm. Godfather fan and as a half sure. Italian and all that, you know, you hear that your whole life like, oh, you know, Marlon Brando made mm-hmm. himself look that way. He shoved cotton balls in his But mouth. he did have a lot of makeup, though, right, to make him look older. That's all prosthetic. I think so, yeah. He wasn't as old as he looked in that movie. It's pretty incredible. I, like, that makeup is great. Oh, yeah. Again, with the accidental scenes and the improvs and all, it's such a common theme for great actors and all the great movies we talk about on this podcast. Um, the guy that played Luca Brasi, the the prestigious killer. Don Corleone. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a privilege yes. to be here at the wedding of your daughter or whatever. Yes. 
that was a pro wrestler who hadn't really acted a lot. His name was Lenny Montana. And this scene was a total accident. And they were pissed at the time. He was so nervous because he, A, he hadn't acted a lot. And all of a sudden he's acting across from the Marlon Brando. He was so nervous that he, he that's how he sounded because he was not acting well. And everyone at the time was like, what is wrong with this guy? And it was pissing everyone off. But they kept it because they liked the idea of the context that he was nervous because he was the ultimate killer, but he wasn't like this well-spoken guy. So they kept it, even though at the time they were super pissed that he was acting like a nervous wreck across from Brando. So, but it was it was perfect though. It you was. buy I mean, it's so funny. It's it's like whenever you are in a situation and there's some kind of orchestration of of something going on and you're so focused on the details of that and you know the inner workings behind the scenes, you would get pissed at things like that. Like this guy sucks. He can't act. He's nervous. But it's like what is Luca Brasi's thing? He's the muscle. You buy the fact that he's nervous to go in and see Don Corleone and and tell him that it's an honor to be at his daughter's wedding and they even set it up perfectly they say like hey uh luca brazi's outside and he's like he's not on the schedule or whatever and he's like he just is this wants necessary to, yeah is this necessary <laughs> he wants to thank you for letting him come to your daughter's wedding and he's like okay let him in you know and, yeah. and so you would buy the fact that he's nervous and sweating and having a hard time impromptu question one thing I wondered, and you're you're our lifer here. Do you like that you never see Brazi kill someone? Because isn't it like when I wa I watched it twice for this podcast, I was thinking if he's this ultimate killer, I'd like to just see him do his thing once. But they never show it. They just show him getting killed, which was kind of weird. I have very few complaints about The Godfather, so I yes, you know, it's already a three hour movie. To add visual context to somebody's character just for the sake of validating them, I don't think that's necessary. I think you buy the fact that he's huge and he's kind of a dummy. He's the muscle for the Corleone family. So yeah, I, it, it doesn't bother me at all. I have thought about that though. Yeah. And we always go through this. Lots of famous actors fail, but this is different because, you know, like I said in the, the story hook, there was Paramount was bought by a venture capital firm. They weren't artistic people. They hated Coppola. And it's hard to tell if they hated the people just because they didn't, they just wanted big stars. They didn't want Pacino. They want Brando. They wanted who they wanted. But Warren Beatty, Dustin Hoffman, Jack Nicholson, and Robert De Niro all auditioned or were wanted to play the part of Michael. De Niro did a screen test to play Michael, which is really interesting interesting considering that he made it to be Vito and two in the throwbacks, but he they they thought he was too violent in his audition. So even though he got to be Vito in the throwbacks in Godfather 2, because of his history as, you know, in other films, they thought he was too violent to play Michael. Pacino wasn't the first choice to play Michael. They wanted Robert Redford, Ryan O'Neill to play Michael Corleone. They also thought they wanted they wanted Martin Sheen and before James Caan got casted as Sonny, yeah. they wanted him to be Michael. Like Al Pacino was just a Broadway guy. They didn't really care. James Caan played the hothead really well. He did. And he is very, uh, he's very convincing. It's almost a very naturalistic, kind of the way Javier Bardem played a psycho perfectly. <clears throat> Sonny plays a hothead. Oh, yeah. Perfectly. So two more randos here for Godfather. The line, uh, and we talked about this with Jaws, about how you need a bigger boat was improv. So again, with prestigious lines being mm -hmm. improv, take the cannoli, or leave the gun, take the cannoli, complete improv. improv. Yep. Incredible, right? Incred that's, I mean, that's an iconic <laughs> line from The Godfather, because it's so ridiculous. You just yeah. assassinated a dude behind the wheel of a car and you're like leave the gun take the cannolis because he had promised his wife he'd bring yeah. cannolis home and, and that she was would like, kill him if he didn't bring home exactly. the cannoli from new york city <laughs> incredible and it's so well delivered and but the fact is is that he was taking a piss 
Well, he shot him, and he kind of just looks back. It doesn't phase him. He's like, oh, he's got a guy whose head, a bullet, he's bleeding. He's leaking all over the place. Leave the gun, take, take the, the cannoli. I'm like, that's, food is important. That's a message I can get behind. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Jaws, there's probably like 10 movies in the history of the world that we'll be watching in 100 years. Of all the movies we've covered on this podcast, I think probably the only two would be Jaws and Godfather. Agreed. I love that point. It's, this, these are, those are two films that just are. Because they're, they're just master classes in, in storytelling. And that's what really survives. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. And I love that as a fan, that idea. Last point, and this is really interesting. So it took me a while to connect Sofia Coppola. The Coppola family is in the filmmaking business. And the wine business. And the wine business now. But his wife is heavily involved. You know, she helps him write. She helps him run his film writing business because he was independent for a long time. But Sofia Coppola is in all three Godfather movies. She's mostly known because she gets knocked a lot for her acting job as Mary, as Michael's daughter in three, which is warranted. We'll get to that. Maybe, but three is not a good Perhaps. film in my eyes. She is the baby that gets baptized in the prestigious scene that you and I were texting about, Phil, when the dude That's renounced the baby Satan. Is Sophia? So, yep. No way. In the second wow. one, she's sitting on steps in the second one. Uh, and I can't recall exactly what scene, but she is an she's like kind of an extra in two. So she is actually wow. in all, and for those who don't know, don't know, Sophia Coppola went on to direct Lost in Translation with Bill Murray and so and Scarlett Johansson. She has a very prestigious directing career. Um, although she does get hammered pretty bad for her acting, rightfully so, in Godfather 3. So, pretty war card matchup. Best baby, Sofia Coppola, <laughs> or the cocaine smuggling baby that they use to get the smuggle coke. <laughs> well, get the, get the smuggle done. You know, the, the, the coke yeah. smuggle. I mean, at least one baby's making a living. <laughs> you know? Although, I think the... <laughs> The best, the best scene in Godfather to me is that scene where he's getting baptized because somehow I got Omen vibes from that scene. Mm. I, I love that question, but that organ and the Italian oh, Orthodox that, I mean, that Catholicism, the and it's, I it's, renounce Satan, and then he does acts of Satan. It's the it's the ultimate juxtaposition of you were in the church baptizing a child, a baby, the most innocent form of human life, and then you are out there literally assassinating everybody who poses a threat to you as a show of strength. That's that's an incredible scene. It became a horror movie for 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, can we talk about Johnny Fontaine for a minute? Yes, please. I hate him. Why? I hate that whole scene because he, well, not the scene where he's talking to Corleone, but the scene where he walks like he's in the family, the wedding singing and women are like swooning like he's Justin Bieber or the Beatles or something. And he was he's, supposed like, to be uh, like 45 years old. Like, I he just was, don't. He was supposed to be old blue eyes. Like, uh, like Sinatra? Sinatra? Yeah, he was like supposed to be Sinatra. Type. I just didn't buy it. I just, I felt like he was old, way too old for women to be like, eh, I can see that. Well, it was a different time. Even though it came out in 72, it's depicting it the what? 40s. The 40s? Yeah. Back then, there was a country for old men. He's <laughs> there was blood. There wasn't blood. Then. Yeah, there wasn't blood. There, there was wasn't a gonna be blood. Yeah. <laughs> He's forty. He's forty. Sexy is what he is. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. But I, yeah. I mean, well, when I watched it, was that was you know two thousand. If I give him this role, it'll make him a big star. I yeah. groom this girl. I brought her up. <laughs> yes. The best ass I ever had. Yeah. She was so innocent. She She's was got the a great ass. <laughs> <laughs> callbacks on oh, wait, callbacks. That's a different Pacino movie. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and I love how and I want, did they do that on purpose? Like he talks about how Fontaine ruined him, even though he. He slept with his protege. Like who ruined her? He was. They yeah, all he was jealous. Her. He was pissed off that he. Yeah. Had, he. I mean, he had groomed this girl. Probably. I mean, you know, guys are always like, oh, I groomed her for a career. But in all reality, you groomed her to. You know, he was pissed off that he ran off with Johnny Fontaine and not 
with old man director Horsehead. Yeah. So there you go. Usually we would say let's war, but today we go to the mattresses. We go to the mat. Are you ready to go to the mattresses and war? Yeah. Here we go. First work hard point. What mattress are you choosing? Are you choosing <laughs> Sealy? Are you choosing Posturepedic? What are you choosing? <laughs> and Bourbon Curve. Yeah, Bourbon Curve. <laughs> curve Curve. That was the I've got Irish curve. whiskey on my fingers. Dude, I can't believe, I just realized how blasphemous this shit is. I'm drinking Irish whiskey while talking <gasps> about The Godfather. Ooh. I know, we should be drinking what? like... What we should be I drinking doing? scotch or wine right now. We should we should be drinking uh, back in the day. Remember, Leota was like, I, "I got some scotch. I got I, well, here's a loaf of bread, and I got, if I got some scotch and some red." Yeah, wine. they did love some scotch. All right, we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna just baptize by fire here. Best top bill cast. Drew, kick us off. So to me, it's a layup for Goodfellas because you've got De Niro, which is like prime De Niro. This is very well maybe his apex in his career. Yeah. Uh, Leota, career wise, not great, but this single performance. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Honestly, the, the kind of performance that should have had him set up for life. Great Field of Dreams, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. was Joe Jackson. Which, speaking of Leota, I feel like the entire time I could not stop thinking about DiCaprio. Yeah. Interesting. Watch it again. Next time you watch it, listen to him narrate and think about DiCaprio. Yeah. I, I it's can the hear, same I can kind right of now, voice, yeah. which makes me feel like that I understand why why Scorsese was so attracted to DiCaprio and did like four or five movies with him. Because it was, he was what Leota, I think, could have been. Yeah. Had Leota, yeah, had make made better choices and been as sexy as DiCaprio or whatever, but yeah, Leota in that isolated movie, absolutely incredible. And Pesci, my God, can you say "Get out of here" or or "What the fuck" or like any better than Pesci delivers <laughs> those lines? Like, he owns the F word. Absolutely, no one sounds like that guy. He is his own genre of speaking. Like he's just incredible. So I gotta go, Goodfellas. Because I have to choose, I do agree with the Goodfellas thing. This is one of the first times where both movies on every level, it's like I just want to give them a tie. There is so much parody between the casts and the execution. I mean, we're talking about two of the greatest gangster films ever made. These two movies, to me, they're tied because, I mean, Marlon Brando is Marlon Brando. They're, everybody on that top bill, James Caan, Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, huge. And then you've got Ray Liotta, Robert. De Niro, Joe Pesci. How do you choose? But to me, I'm such a Joe Pesci fan because of just the emotion and the and and <laughs> Joe Pesci is the only person who can play a Joe Pesci character. So I do give this to to Goodfellas. But man, it it is by the the thinnest of hairs that I give this to Goodfellas. Yeah, I give it to Goodfellas too. And uh, it's hard because you look at the firepower in both. I mean, Goodfellas is just loaded. I, the fact that Robert Duvall is not even in the top cast conversation and. Diane Keaton like didn't even get mentioned. I didn't even yeah. recognize her the first time because she's so young. I didn't either. That's funny. It's like, yeah. yeah it, you look at Marlon Brando. It, this is, to me, is where Marlon Brando was Max Marlon Brando. But knowing what Pacino would become, what Keaton would become, what R Duvall. I, Duvall in Apocalypse Now is just incredible. They do a great job, but I feel like they're asked to play a couple of notes in Godfather, whereas, and Drew alluded to this earlier, one thing that Drew said that I thought was a great point that I didn't think about, it has this G 
GTA video game-esque pace where it's just so up and down. I feel like the actors are asked to do a lot in Goodfellas. Um, De Niro is a great example, whereas I think he gets slammed for having this kind of one monotone mobster range that he can do a lot. He even does it in Meet the Parents, but there is so much subtlety to his performance because he goes from that guy, that kind of mob guy. Do you, do you guys notice how his facial expressions are used to display the paranoia that he starts to get after they screw up the Latanza Tyson or the heist and stacks doesn't he gets stoned and doesn't get rid of the truck like he's supposed to De Niro doesn't speak differently like he's paranoid but his eyes with his big ass glasses yes and he, the eyes to me in an acting performance that is the tell either your eyes are giving away your emotions or they're dead and you're doing it with your mouth and the yeah. rest of your face and it's not landing De Niro doesn't hmm. get enough credit for that subtlety yes he does the mob thing a lot but when he starts wearing the big glasses as he gets older and you know that he wants when he tells he tells Henry that he's gonna go to Florida with Anthony and that, and that's when Henry knows he wants to whack him and he's just looking at him with the glasses that magnify his eyes and the way he looks at him it's like he's paranoid like he's not saying anything differently but he's looking at Henry there's just so much nuance and and Scorsese gives them so much credit and you talked about it already I don't have to I'm a Pesci lifer we've talked about it for 10 episodes that performance Pesci does not get enough credit like I don't ever no, hear he anyone doesn't. say he's their favorite actor. He got an Oscar. He's one of mine. I know, but you who know cares? Funny? No one talks about it. Pesci's one of my favorite actors, and it's it's because when I was a kid, I saw him in Home Alone and thought he was yeah, amazing. That's nothing for him. <laughs> he was amazing he in was Home Alone. He, he was, was incredible. He was perfect. Completely different character, but absolutely flawless in Home yeah. Alone. Only Pesci can play Pesci. There is yes. no one else that can do what Pesci does. I feel like Pesci, he had a run for like 20 years where he was just doing great movies and p delivering left and right great performances. And then he said, all right, I'm out. I'm going to play golf. And do eight heads in gonna, a duffel bag. I'm just going to chill. Which I liked. And then maybe I'll come back and do Irishman. Which He's he brilliant. Did. He's brilliant. All right, Goodfellas won that in a three to zero. Best supporting. Now, Drew, I kind of like this thing where you read to us who that is. So who's our best yeah, supporting Yeah, maybe we guest? should start doing that just to yeah. clarify the, yeah, the so rules of the- We're uh, 10 episodes no in questions. and I still, I, it's my category hey. and I still don't know what I'm talking about. So I'll, do, I'll read the, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 10th time's a charm. That's all I'm saying. You know, yeah, you saying, you know, hey, we're, we're still it. relatively a baby podcast at this point, yeah. guys. Baby cat. Appreciate you sticking with us. So I think what we should do, I'll read the, the three supporting after the top three. And then if there's a notable additional one, I'll read that as well. So for The Godfather, we got Diane Keaton. Before Diane Keaton is Diane Keaton. Pre-Diane. And then we've got Richard Castellano and Robert Duvall. Before Robert Duvall is Robert Duvall. For Goodfellas, you got Lorraine Brasco. Nope, Lorraine Bracco. Bracco. Paul Sorvino and Frank Severo who played Carbone. Who is amazing idiot, by the way. Carbone is an amazing idiot. Phil, kick us I off can start. Here. Yeah, to me, this goes to Godfather because, like I said previously, I give the top bill to Goodfellas by the hair of a woman who's bleached her hair her whole life, and we're cutting it down the middle with a microscopic laser. Um, <laughs> Whatever that means. Conversely, I've got to give the best supporting cast to Godfather because that supporting cast, to me, that supporting cast made that film. The guy who plays Tessio, the guy who plays Luca Brasi, just that entire supporting situation was so believable. Even Apollonia in Italy and the woman who plays Mrs. Corleone 
own. The supporting cast was really, or, or the, the top bill cast was really strong, but the supporting cast to me is what propped up the rest of that film and really just drove everything home. And I mean, <clears throat> even though he's not on the top list of supporting actors, the guy who plays Enzo, the baker, I'm Enzo. Like that scene of him standing in front of the hotel, or in front of the hospital, pretending like he's got a gun in his pocket. And then the way he can barely light, he can't light the lighter and put the cigarette in his mouth. And it's like, that movie was just so perfectly executed. I have to just give this to the Godfather. Good words. Yeah, I'm going to go Godfather too. I mean, it's hard to argue with Duvall and Keaton, but I mean, that was kind of them kind of like busting onto the scene, like incredible just supporting roles. And also shout out to Salazzo, who was played by Al Lettieri. Oh, of course, Al Lettieri. Yeah, everybody knows Al Lettieri. One of my favorite actors I've never heard of. From Connecticut? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot to add. I think that they carried the supporting cast better than. I feel like there was a lot of supporting cast in Godfather. Like yeah, that's the thing about these people. movies is you've got gangs. It's about gangs and families and groups, and there's groups of criminal. Like there's just everything. It's not about an individual. It's about a group of people and how they interact. So there's a lot of there's a lot of moving pieces. But yeah, I'll give it to Godfather. Well said. And and I I actually and it doesn't matter now. I gave this to Goodfellas. But again, kind of like I don't I don't know what Phil's talking about with bleached hair. But whatever that is, yes, whatever Phil said. But the he's talking about hair. that razor thin garlic razor. Yes, to by cook garlic in prison. Exactly. By the liquidated garlic in a prison <laughs> pan. <laughs> And, and and I went to town on this is why I love the Coens because I love it when they didn't direct any of these movies. I know. Thank I think you, you mean Coppola or Scorsese. Oh yes, those guys. But I love it when uh, side characters or supporting cast aren't throwaway characters, and that's what Goodfellas is. And this is just a personal preference. I talked about it with No Country, but these I just believe that these are mob guys, and and Scorsese does have the advantage that he is riding the coattails of a path that was paved by Coppola. Coppola is the modern and inventor of what we consider to be the modern mob film, which was the separation from what was called the golden era of the gangster film with the Scarface that was made in the early 1900s, etc. The Black Hand, those are the old time. Now, he he owes Coppola all the credit, but Frankie Carbone, who's a complete moron, one scene that comes out to me is when, after the Latanza heist, when they show up and the guy bought his wife a coat and they bought the pink Cadillac. Oh, that was a great scene. It's easy to focus on De Niro because De Niro was just being so insistent that they I told you. I told you not to, to make any big moves. But that guy, he's he's kind of like scared of De Niro, but he's kind of just dumb. He's kind of like, well, he just keeps saying to her, well, I just, you know, she's my wife. You know, he just, he just, yeah. he's not phased. But I'm just so bought in and, and 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 this is the person that everyone talks about, but I can't give enough credit to what is it? Is it Johnny two times? I, I get the papers, get the papers. Remember. These are just memorable. I love it when a supporting cast, we never talk to two times again. We never hear get the papers, get the papers again. But And when I think of Goodfellas, one of the first things I think of is get the papers, get the papers. Yeah. I just love that. So I do give it to Goodfellas, but again, you got Duvall, Keaton. I mean, it's these are two great films and two great supporting casts. And yeah, again, everything in these two films is going to be by a razor thin margin because yes. they're the best. Yes. It's like they're Garlic literally razor the best. Thin margin. Yes. Yeah, and, they're the best in the genre. And we don't have Goodfellas <laughs> without Godfather. So it's worth saying. But yes, Godfather gets us. So we're tied at one, one each. Hold on. By the way, this just in Charles Scorsese, also in Goodfellas. Really? Played. Vinny. Vinny. Uh, there hasn't been an Italian movie with I a Vinny. I don't remember who Vinny was. Please don't hate me for this, but out of all the Italian mob guys, I don't remember Vinny. And but I... to your point about Goodfellas having the luxury of Godfather 
existing. Uh, Sorvino, Paul Sorvino, who played Polly, I feel like was a direct answer recasting to Richard Castellano, who was the the chef, yeah, the cook or whatever. Like very similar character mm-hmm. types. Sorvino may be one of the if there's a if there's an underrated actor in Goodfellas, it's Sorvino. Paul Cicero mimics Vito Corleone in a few ways because both of them think about it were anti drug. I, I love that interesting t- connection between the mm. two. They both were resistant to we're not going to sell narcotics because that was the big thing for all the mobs in both of these movies is we're going to move from just robbing and stealing we're going to sell coke or we're going to sell heroin Hmm. I love how they both orchestrated and I'm not saying Sorvino is Brando I'm not saying that at all but Sorvino is Shakespearean he's a Shakespearean actor he like Javier Bardem in No Country said I'm not the right actor for this he had never done crime he had never done mob he'd been Shakespearean Hmm. but he wanted to work with Scorsese so they made it work and he's incredible in it I love how him and Brando both do the same thing, which is they portray that old timey mob where we yeah. don't, we're not going to sell coke. We don't want it near schools. We don't want it. You know what is sort they've of, got their code of ethics? Yes. That they stick to when what he is, like when he gave Leota the thirty two hundred dollars and like and now I have to cut you off. Yes. Like is, I'm going to help you. I don't want to turn my back on you without like in and leaving you you know in the gutter. But also I have to go yeah. now. As Cicero, God, Strafano. I know that's a side thing what you just said, but Lord have mercy, he was incredible. That was one of my. We talked about how films get better each time you see it. That was one thing that I gained from my last rewatch was he is so underrated because he, you know, you got De Niro and Leota and Pesci. Yeah, he's incredible. And yet he shined. I feel like there was, like, there was room in the- There was. And he has a consistency. He's almost static. He doesn't do a lot of different things. But I love it when he says Polly, Polly would only meet with eight people a day and he would say nothing. Like he said five words a day or 10 words a day. That's what he says about Polly C- Cicero in the film. And he does that. Mm-hmm. He's just the perfect static, says 10 words and leaves guy. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Uncle Polly. Good point, Drew. I love this category. Mobs know how to dress. Suits are a sign of status. Best dressed. And we have two different eras, which makes this interesting. We got a 40s Italian mob suit. Everyone's wearing handmade shit. I'm going to start with our resident half Italian here, Phil. Did you see this shit growing up? These kind of suits? No, because I didn't grow up in that area. But I mean, to me, it's hard to not go with the Godfather on this one because everybody in the Godfather is constantly in that like quintessential mob attire. And honestly, this kind of goes back to a thing that is is the big difference the big difference to me between Godfather and Goodfellas is Goodfellas to me is kind of a somewhat lighthearted take on the brutality of the mob thing. Whereas the Godfather is, I feel like they really tried to stay as accurate as possible to the family dynamic in New York and then the the uh, cultural dynamic in Italy. And best dress to me goes to Godfather because they there was a authenticity to that situation that that I don't, you know, you guys may disagree and you, you probably have very valid reasons. And But like I said, everything everything in this war card is going to be by razor-thin margin. Um, Garlic, razor-thin margin. Garlic, razor-thin margin. But Godfather, to me, everything about it was very, very believable. It felt like you were watching a insight. It, it almost wa- felt like you were watching some kind of mob documentary, uh, whereas Godfather was, or whereas Goodfellas was kind of more a, uh, a glorified uh, sort of tongue-in-cheek version of the mob thing. So I go with Godfather on this just because the 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 attire, it's like you didn't notice it because it was so perfect. I actually, I'm going to agree with Phil here. I think that the 
look of the 40s. Whatever everybody was wearing at the wedding, that's kind of what you think of when you think of the Godfather. So I think I'm going to go Godfather. Although shout out to Goodfellas. There was some cool, you know, some cool looks. Like everybody, it was all, you know, the, it was approaching the 90s. And, you know, there was some references to fashion with, you know, when De Niro was trying to get, what's her name, to go down to the corner and, and you know, get some dresses for her mom or whatever. Like some cool uh, nods to, to fashion in that movie too. But I'm going to go Godfather. Notably, Leotis, when he beats the guy that tries to rape his wife or his girlfriend at the time, mm-hmm. uh, that maroon, he's wearing that maroon double-breasted leather jacket with those maroon pants. Mm-hmm. That was that was sexy. But I go Godfather here, and I just want to give a shout-out to Al Pacino's ascot. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That ascot. He had a nice. great ascot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was perfect. Drew, you win this category. They're, that ascot had some heat. Yeah. Oh, wow. Ascots are one of those things that, like, hardly anyone wears now, and when you, but when I see one, I'm like, I want one of those. And then I forget about it. Every time I see it, it's like, I want an ascot. And I do, like Drew, I do like the fashion in Goodfellas. But what I struggle with is the long collars on some of the Italian handmade yes, shirts. Yes, I had the same Why thoughts, are those so long? Pesci. It was like, what, do you, where's, your to, where's your double Windsor? Yeah. I can't see it because of the collar. They're like nipple length. The yep. collar stays. The collar stays are like rulers. I mean, it's, why? And was that even a thing in the yeah. 80s? Well, no, it's a mob. It's an Italian shirt thing is what it oh, is. Oh, so it's an Italian thing. It's a thing. status thing. I think it's, I think, uh, forgive me, everyone. Anyway, I give it to Godfather simply because of the ascot. I mean, I just, I think Pacino looks fly as hell in Godfather with that ascot. I love it. All right, two to one Godfather so far. Best ending. I, these two endings, again, if you're listening to this, spoiler alert. Don't get pissed at me. If you're listening to this, you should have watched the movies already. Uh, Also, Kyle said spoiler alert. For the listener, can you fly over the endings? Yes. If you haven't seen it in a while? Definitely plan to. And two very different but very prestigious endings. The Godfather closes with basically Al Pacino as Michael Corleone lying to Diane because his sister accuses him of killing... Uh, Carlo. Carlo, which... Which is the wife or the husband no, of Sonny kills Carlo. Well, it doesn't. It all bubbles up to Mike Michael because he's the headman. Yes. So, uh, yeah. That, oh, that he he condoned it. His sister accuses him of killing Carlo because Carlo had betrayed both. One betrayed the family by aligning with Don Barzini, and also and because he had beaten her, beaten Sonny's wife. Yeah, Connie. There was some Stockholm syndrome going on. Yep. And so he lies to Kay Diane Keaton and says, "No, I didn't. She was just being crazy." Yeah. And that's hysterical. And Seinfeld even did a knockoff of that scene with the uh, in the circumcision episode of Seinfeld. But that Kay leaves and she she for a moment she's appeased. She's like, okay, he's Michael didn't kill him or didn't issue it. But she turns around, Michael's leaning against that desk. How prestigious. Well, and, and the door the door closes. Slowly closes. And Michael's just leaning against that desk and he's in a meeting and it, it's symbol it's symbolic to the beginning. It ends like it begins, yeah. which was Vito having meetings in his office. Incredible. God, Goodfellas is a lot different, but equally effective. This whole life that Henry Hill has lived, the luxury, the mob, he's he's literally gotten everything he wanted by force. He is a schmuck in a small development home, picking up a newspaper on the front of his 1,000-square-foot house, talking about he can't get good spaghetti, he's in witness protection, he's wearing a blue robe, he looks like an old dad, and he yearns for the old times. And so he's just, and that's the situation he's in. Now, it's funny because since then, we know he didn't stay in witness protection because he's on half the special features of this movie. (laughs) But yeah, very effective considering this life of luxury, and it just ends. He's alive. Yes, he ratted on his friends, but he, he, in his narration at the end, I'm not going to try to 
to say it word for word, but he's, what was the trade-off? Yeah, he ratted on his friends, but now he lives, he can't even get good sauce. Yeah. You know, which, which he got in prison. He yeah. got good sauce. So those are the two endings and two very, very different, but very effective endings. Drew, let's start with you. What is, uh, what's the best way to end these films? I say good fellas. Obviously, as he was coming down off the cocaine high, he was scrambling. He was paranoid. The choppers were above. All of this, like his relationships were unraveling and everything was just kind of coming to a screeching halt and he ended up alone. Like to me, that was just like a third act that just sort of like <sighs> tied it all. Like, yes, you had fun you saw what it could you know what this life could look like but this is how it ends so to me that's that's a kind of a compelling takeaway and and leaves you something to chew on as you're walking out of the theater like i, I like goodfellas uh i go with godfather on this because like michael kills the heads of the other families in new york every one of them brutally murders all of them along with his brother-in-law and then lies bold-faced to his wife do you renounce and then, Satan? yeah while his uh god uh goddaughter is being baptized. Played by Sophia he, Coppola. He carries out the most orchestrated execution of the, the heads of the other four biggest families in New York City to, to flawless perfection and and then lies to his wife, kills his brother-in-law and and then that iconic scene of the door closing in her face. I mean, to me, that just that sets up a sequel almost. Like, you have killed off the heads of the other families. Now what's going to happen? It just left me on the edge of my seat that to me goes to Godfather. This is the toughest. I mean, two great endings and I love what you said and and I think the most effective scene in Godfather is when he says I renounce Satan and then yeah. commences the acts of Satan by killing every head of every family in New York. Yeah. Um I uh this is hard, oh, so hard and as I speak I'm having a hard time but I the reason I go Goodfellas is I think that last the last 30 minutes are very symbolic to the because this is a real story and it symbolizes what really happens. We talked earlier about that life cycle of being in the mob, that life of crime, how it starts off with the glamour and the loyalty, but you always, you have a you have an expiration date once you are in that cycle. That last, and, and Scorsese talks about it, he wanted that to be disoriented. You kind of talked about you need to watch it, and that pace just kind of like left you in the dust. It's like, what's happening? That was intentional. Scorsese wanted your first time in the theater scene is to be disoriented because it's juxtaposed against that beginning, which is he joined the mob. Remember when he's still a teenager and he knocks on the door, Ma, what do you think? And she's like, you look like a gangster, you know? And he he's it's so glamorous for him and he, he even at a young age he got everything he wanted but to end on this note of yeah he got away with his life but you're wondering for him is it really better than if you would have just died because you're you don't have the life you had before so again this is razor thin because that door closing with Michael that is well in the in the church scene in the church scene I mean if we're including the last like 20 30 minutes as an ending like that is do you want to yeah. change your vote uh dude I know I'm going goodfellas only because it's a real story but that do you renounce satan I, I know it's crazy i keep going back to that but that it's incredible it's one of the most amazing scenes in in cinema history and coppola gets he gets so much credit for that so anyway it's 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 good fellas by a hair but it's tied here we got two to two between these two amazing films here's a fun one here's a good bro category and phil you kick us off we joke about how you and i we think that we're we're gangsters right in our, <laughs> in in our life. previous in another life we would have been great not the mean ones but kind of like the laugh jovial guy you know yeah. which gang would you want to be and would you want to be in Cicero's gang with Leota, you know, with De Niro, with Henry, and with Jimmy? Or would you like this fictionalized? Do you want to be, you uh, know, in the Corleone? Easy family? answer for me Corleone's because it's family and it's a lot harder to turn on family. So there's that security of the blood relationships and the fact that they are locked into the Corleone family. 
Um, whereas, like like we were talking about earlier in the podcast, I don't know exactly what gang that was um, for in in Goodfellas, and it I don't know if it was a family based gang or if it was just kind of like a, a collaboration of of different organized criminals or what. But uh, if I were theoretically in some quasi alternate life, if I were to be a part of any mob, it would it would have to be based on family and blood ties because that I think is the only thing I could stay loyal to you for the my the entirety of my life. I, I agree. The code of ethics seems more clear cut in Godfather than it did in Goodfellas because it seems like those clowns were turning on each other left and right. So I'm going to say Godfather. Jafada. As much as I, you know, the I want to hang out with Tommy when he's good, but when he's off Dude, the rails, there's psycho. just too much uncertainty. As much as Goodfellas is my favorite film, I mean, there's just too much uncertainty in this gang. He shoots I mean, a bartender yes. for being too <laughs> Well, first he shoots him in the foot and yeah. tells him to dance, and then the second time he, he kills, kills him. him. I mean, well, and Pesci brings that like the kid was kind of standing up to him and give him shit at the poker table, and he just like killed him. Like that was fucking. It was hard to watch. Yeah, it was, yeah. and that was intentional. Like I said earlier, that's where Martin Scorsese wanted you to turn on these people. Yeah, but I go Godfather. I I agree with you. And yeah, you got the family. Even though the shit gets real, and I mean the scene where Sonny gets shot to death is haunting, mostly because Ooh, that's a rough scene. It's not even at the beginning when he gets shot. It's that last two seconds when they decide to like do that diagonal Tommy gun shot. He's already dead, but we're just going to shoot him five more times, even though he's dead. Across. Like, oh, that's haunting, but at least there is family. I feel good behind Michael. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a good... I still don't understand. The rise is a little little weird to me. Like, I don't... That's my only knock on Godfathers. I don't mm. know. I don't feel like it's like a great painted picture of a jump from, yeah, I'm a military guy to I'm the heir to the family, but it's good enough. I feel good behind Michael. Michael and while Vito is alive, I feel good. If I don't fuck up, at least I'm loyal to the family. They got my back. So yeah, I feel as a risk averse person, I feel good with the Corleone family. So <laughs> and that. if shit gets real, you can go back to visit the even though they betray you, yeah, you go back and see the family Italy. in Italy. Yeah. And, yeah. So all right, three to two Godfather. This might be the closest matchup we've had ongoing. Like, you know, because I think I think we've had some big gaps, but this is neck and neck here, rightfully so. Music. And I'm gonna start us off here. This is a really interesting. We talked about um in the departed because I love Scorsese. By the time we got to Departed, I was a little tired of what we call the needle drops. Needle drops are like the vinyl. He loves music. I just kind of like, you know, the moment that yeah, this is the Irish mob, so we're going to do Dropkick Murphys. I was just like, God, that's predictable. But this is the this is the top of the mountain for needle drops with Scorsese. I mean, yes. He, they, during the special features, they're talking to one of the producers and she shows his script notes where during, in the script, he just on little pieces of papers taped cream, sunshine of my love, you know, he just, and they match. They're just well done. But I give it to Godfather because, (gasps) yes. You talked about this, and we talked about Jaws. This is another thing it shares with Jaws. Two notes. That, I love, because I rewatched every Goodfellas for this podcast, and it kicking off with that silhouette. Every Godfather. You you just, it's like getting your heart ready. (laughs) It's like, I'm officially watching a Godfather movie. That movement is just, it is so iconic. It is, it is. And as much as I think Scorsese is on top of his game, one thing he hasn't done. Scores. Is scores. Yeah, which is insane, because it's fucking last name is yes. Scorsese. <laughs> he had... He, it's it's yeah. score crazy. You were born with that <laughs> shit, man. You're Come ki- on. That's amazing. You're killing me. That's hilarious. <laughs> Scorsese. Score... <laughs> 
score lazy. It's a more like score lazy. Yeah. I was trying to calculate my next thought, and then you said that, and like then now my brain is torn between your hilarious statement and. But New York gangs in New York, he does it a little. He got a couple of interesting pieces in there, but he doesn't. He's not. He he's not like Nolan, who Nolan just like depends on scores. Like yeah. he's like Hans Zimmer, make my movie. Totally. This it's one silhouette, and it's Italian, and the the wedding though. And it, maybe it's because I know this. This is a rando we didn't go into, but the way the wedding was filmed in Godfather was they let it go. They said, "This, yeah, this is a movie, but we're going to do a real Italian wedding, and we're just going to let them go." And they filmed the whole thing. I mean, do you have a choice at that point? There are hundreds of people I know in that they shot. did it. That's they did a gorilla. So this is Love where it. Coppola uses his independent artistic thing. Is we're just going to let them go. They didn't give him any direction. They just said, "Here's what we're going to do. Y'all just keep going for hours, and we're just going to have a wedding." And they just eavesdropped in with gorilla filming of that wedding. That's so cool. The music. And the old guy singing, and then Vito's wife gets up and sings, and maybe because I'm connected. By the way, the old guy singing in that in that scene was one of my favorites because they yeah. don't provide a translation, but his motions and the way the crowd is reacting, yeah, is is he's talking about the, yeah. the first night and music. Music in that situation connected me as a non-Italian. I'm a Filipino. We have no culture. Um, <laughs> you, you guys just, have purple potatoes. I Those feel are like, great. And they did this in Deer Hunter too. Um, but I love it when I, I, I feel like I'm seeing raw as much as you can, like a real version of something cool that I've never experienced. And I feel like music was used in a way to kind of express the, the Italian nature of this film. So I go, I go Godfather. Drew, what do you think? Here's what I think. Johnny Fontaine was in Godfather. So clearly Godfather. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck Johnny Fontaine. I'm going to go Goodfellas. I think Scorsese, the way he A&R'd that entire score. I mean, there was like 40 or 50 different songs from Dean Martin to, well, I I mean, I I forget his name, but Eric Clapton with Layla and like, I just, Derek and the Dominoes. Yeah, just left and right, just great songs, great yeah. choices. Good yep. fellas, hands down. I agree. If you're going to cut and paste together other people's music to make the soundtrack and the score like they did, and they did it in Forrest Gump too. I mean, this is the... I the, think it's it's the difference between, like you said, like, like passing it off to a... a composer or just you know taking choosing music that's already been composed like i think scorsese that's just another flex as a director like yeah i want to score it myself godfather for me all the way just because you hear you hear those that theme and you know exactly what it is it's kind of like the same reason like rocky over raging bull it's like you hear that theme and you know exactly what it is and that's raging bull i thought about that because that was an example of where he did use a score but it felt like you were listening to a score that he read about in a textbook you know so yeah oh this is this is tight four to two godfather two fantastic films (laughs) this is a so here's a funny bro category because these are criminal organizations and we live in the age of glass door highest employer rate Woo! Highest employer rate. I'll kick us off. I, I've been a corporate soldier for a while, which I hate. But, um, <laughs> you know, I got to go Goodfellas here. Yes, there's a lot of not predictable moments with Tommy and people doing coke. I just don't love a lot of meetings. And I feel like in, in Godfather, they're just in meetings all the time. Wait, so what? Highest what? employer rating. Like if this, because they're, they're organized Which crime. one you worked for, which one would you they're like They're criminal the organizations. So if you look at them as an employer, uh, what's okay. the, who's the best organization to work for? Now, Drew, you haven't had a corporate job in quite some time. 
time. So you might have. I'm yeah. just so successful at podcasting. Yes, I, exactly. I can't relate. But uh, I just don't like sitting through a lot of meetings. And as, as much, I feel like it's not always perfect, but in Goodfellas, they get shit done, you know? And it's not always perfect. There's people going by in each other's back. But also, those payouts are split pretty evenly or fairly, mm-hmm. I feel like, in Goodfellas. I'm with you on that. I actually yeah. go Goodfellas on this if one, too. I got to pick a boss, you know? And it feel like Polly kind of let people, like, use their skills. Like, here's what you're good at. You go do that, but just don't sell drugs and give me my cut. And it's good. It feels like Vito and then with Michael, it's like, let's have a meeting. We're going to talk through this. <laughs> yeah, we'll do some shit, but we're going to sit here for hours and we're going to talk. I don't want to talk. I want to do coke. I want to do some shit. <laughs> You know? <laughs> so, good fellas all the way. Drew. Uh, I guess I will go Godfather. Because it seems like Goodfellas, they didn't have a lot of fun. They just like did shots and played poker. They didn't really do anything else. So that's all I got. I'll go Godfather. Ooh, reconsidering my vote here. Because I'm thinking both are, there's there are a lot of pros and cons to both. Because in Goodfellas, you're getting payouts. But there's the whole situation where they do the plane robbery thing. And De Niro becomes resentful that the guys that did the plane robbery get massive payouts alongside him. So he goes and kills all of mm-hmm. them. So yeah. there is an aspect of... Of, of backstabbing to Goodfellas that I don't think I'm a fan of. So when it's now good, that I'm it's good. Think, when it's bad, it's real bad. Yeah, when it's good, it's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like when everybody's in a good place, you're sharing money or you're playing poker. You're um, Now I'm reconsidering and I think Godfather might be the way to go for stability only. I think... Yeah. I think it's like the stock market when you're young or old. When you're young, you want to play high risk, and high risk is good, fellas. When you're older, you want stability, and that's the Corleone family. So I think the better long-term employer is the Corleone family. The better short-term for large gains and maybe, like, weasel your way the fuck out of it when you have a chance is good, fellas. So I think the better overall employer might be Godfather, okay. even though I initially said good, yeah. fellas. So vote you're not, changed. You're not getting the best benefits, It's but your, yeah. your likelihood to die for a stupid reason goes down. I respect that. Godfather, five to two, all of a sudden it's a lead. These bro categories are going Godfather. Who would have thought? This question is interesting, and it's Scorsese versus Coppola, and here's why. We don't always go director versus director, but these are two films that, for the most part, are considered, even though I disagree that Godfather is is Coppola's best, most people say Godfather, Coppola, Coppola, Godfather. That's the thing. This is considered Scorsese's apex in a lot of ways uh, for most people. So these are two people who, in a lo- in the majority of people's eyes, this is them at the top of their game. This is Jordan and the flu game for a lot of people. Um, I'll actually start us off here. I do go with Scorsese because even though most people think it's Coppola at the top of his game, I think Apocalypse Now shows us a lot of things that he doesn't show us here. Again, Godfather is a nearly perfect film in a lot of ways, but man, he just, he he still had a lot of tools in his arsenal. Now, granted, he was fighting against people that wanted to fire him. He wanted people to fire his actors. Scorsese had a lot more gravitas by this point because he'd already done Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Mean Streets. He already had quite the repertoire by this point. But I do think this is Scorsese. I talked about it with the score. I got kind of tired, tired of the needle drops, but this is him with a great score. You look at some of future Scorsese films where he uses Leo. He does like five, four or five movies straight with Leo, Gangs in New York, Shutter Island. Island. He doesn't use Leo the best. The best Leo movies are not Scorsese movies. You know, this is where he he's using De Niro perfectly. Late Leota was an unknown. He's using Leota. This is Pesci at the top of his game. I just feel like Scorsese killed it. If there is a perfect film out there and it's a mob movie, it is Goodfellas to me. So I go Scorsese on this. Drew. I agree 100%. To me, this is the centerpiece of Scorsese's career. I mean, because he, like you said, he did, he did Taxi Driver, arguably the best movie of the 70s. 
He did, obviously, and then Mean Streets. He did Raging Bull, which is arguably the best movie of the 80s. And then at the very beginning of the 90s, he kicks it off with this movie. So it's kind of like, to me, this is like the dead middle of his legendary career. Because then he goes on to do Casino, and he does The Departed, and then he gets nominated. You know, he did, obviously, Irishman he got nominated for. So like a, a tremendous body of work. And I think this is kind of that, just like it sits right in the middle. To me, this is like this is like uh, Brady's first Super Bowl back for you know after the first run he kind of like yeah. came back and everybody was like oh I guess we're, oh, oh, we're doing this again okay it was like this is Malcolm Butler intercepting the the ball the end zone like this is Brady's yeah. like you know that's a perfect comparison yeah I guess yeah. Scorsese cool love that Phil how do you even choose these are the two best gangster movies ever made I know um, this is tough I'm, it's like Sophia Coppola's choice yeah exactly <laughs> it's like <laughs> yes I'm just gonna you just want to get like for host category. I love both these movies for completely different reasons. They're both two of the best at their game. I mean, yeah, I, I do agree. This is Scorsese's best, but I also think this is Coppola's best because to me, it's it's really tough to watch a slow-paced movie and be super engaged. And that's what I get when I watch The Godfather. Um, so I'll go Coppola here, but it, once again, it's by the uh, yeah. overly bleached hair of a woman who you're cutting mm. with a laser. It's like, I don't... <laughs> again, I don't know what that means, but yes, whatever you just said, I well, agree. When you bleach God, like, a hair, it, it just thins it out. So oh. then it's thin hair. So you're, it's like splitting hairs, but like the hair is already super thin. So you got to use some kind of microscopic laser to get it done. It's like, I don't, <laughs> I'm just going to take your word for it. Yeah. It's like the hair of a microscopic garlic razor yes exactly hair <laughs> and i so do i don't i don't even know yeah. it's like how do you, i i pick that but it's it's yeah i mean i don't even know you know and i i get i still give it to scorsese with ease but coppola how do you overcome making what m some people consider to be the best film of all time there's like a rotation of films your citizen canes your schindler's list there's are there's just this batch jaws there's like a group of like 10, 15 films that often rotate for best yeah. film of all time, yeah. Godfather being one of those. How do you overcome that? Now, me being a film lover, I can say that he overcame it with Apocalypse Now, but to the casual ear, which is totally fine to have because we're just fans, we're not critics. How do you overcome the best I, thing yeah, ever it's made? Like, I, uh, I choose Godfather by point zero 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 one. It's like, they're yeah. both incredible movies. Interesting enough, with Coppola's beginnings as an, like a, like an independent creator that company he started with Lucas, he made Apocalypse Now so he could make indie films because for a long time he kind of just went on and kind of just ambiguity. He kind of just started making indie films that no one liked or heard of, but that's all he ever really wanted to do. He's truly an artist. So to, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't go on to continue like Scorsese did. You talked about his decades. Every, the beginning I'm, of every decade, he makes house. the best. I'm a big like art. Uh, I, I, gravi I gravitate more toward art house films. I love I Nicholas Winding Reffing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Godfather was kind of like that, the marriage mm -hmm. of it was yeah it was blockbuster with the yeah it was expound on that pacing. really the first bit major blockbuster that was an art film in a lot of ways because like you said like it was based on a book that was a literary marvel but also this new venture capitalist firm bought the studio and they wanted to make a movie and they wanted like they wanted to make it sexy and hollywood pulpy and, funny yeah, yeah. kitschy mm -hmm. uh this is a cool category and we have a few left best mob portrayal like when you watch these two films one's 
fictional, one's non-fictional, but still a little hyperbolic. But when you watch them as a fan, like, what do you, what's your, like, what do you think is the best portrayal of the mob? Go ahead, Phil. Once again, it depends on the genre and the era and which mob you're looking at. It's, if you're going for the family mob vibe, it's Godfather. If you're going for the cooperative criminal vibe, it's Goodfellas. I don't, that's an, that's an impossible question because, yep. I mean, I guess, how do you choose that? Well, um, you got to because it's a category. Yeah. I chose it. I'll homer hard for Godfather again because it's just, it's about the family. It's, it, they do a great job of portraying the loyalty to the family and, and how that plays out over time and how the succession works and how, you know, the criminal enterprise works within the family and how everybody's involved and everybody takes up for each other. And that's not to take away from Goodfellas, that, but it's a totally different dynamic. So it's, as far as best mob portrayal, they both do it equally well, but just in different directions. Yeah, well said. I think, to your point, I think it depends on if you want to see the mob in the 40s in New York or the mob in the 80s in New York. I think that, you know, it's like, to me, Goodfellas is just Godfather 40 years later. Yeah, there, yeah, exactly. Literally. With Coke, so here you uh, go. So I guess if I have to choose, I will go, gosh, I mean, yeah, it's impossible, but I'll go Godfather just because it was kind of the, it was first. It doesn't matter what I go at this point, but I, I think I understand your points. Uh, the reason I go Goodfellas is because, you know, I like to read the books. People give me a hard time, but, you know, this Godfather. <laughs> you uh, read? You read? I'm like Are you on Reddit? Reddit? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. The book has like a bunch we of letters. The same thing. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what I do at this point. I do go Goodfellas because I, I love, you know, and people give me a hard time for reading the books, but I do love the detail that it goes into in Wise Guy, the book versus Godfather is a good book, um, but it's, it is serialized. It's very, it is very fictional. It's written kind of in a pulpy way. Whereas Wise Guy, again, we're judging the movies, but Nicholas Pileggi and Mark, what's interesting, one thing that does connect these movies, and we didn't go through this in the story hook, both of the screenwriters in the this move in these movies were the people that wrote the books. Nicholas Pileggi wrote Wise Guy. He wrote the screenplay uh, for Goodfellas, and Mario Puzo wrote Godfather the oh, books, wow. and also wrote all three screenplays with Coppola for all three Goths. So that's, that's awesome. That is something that connects him. But you know, I just feel like I'm getting the behind the music. I'm a big music fan. I loved watching Aerosmith behind the music and just learning about all the stuff. I feel like I'm seeing how the sausage is made, and I, I love seeing that there's not a lot of glamour in in the mob life. That you have a life cycle. And that there's an expiration date. But like I said, you guys picked Godfather and rightfully so at six to three. In our text chain, I kind of got vibes that this is kind of a one-sided, but I don't agree. Best way to send a message, a horse head in the bed or leaving a guy in a meat freezer. By the way, this is meat that people are supposed to eat and feed their families on, leaving one of your Italian mob brothers in a meat freezer. Phil, what sends the best message? Horse head in the bed, easy. Yeah. This guy just finished showing you his horse that he was, it was a 600 thousand dollar horse in the 40s yep. that he was going to use as a breeding tool to make other horses of equal value and then you're like he won't give my guy the part I'm going to cut his fucking head off and put it in the bed and just slather your bed with blood and how slowly he pulls I forgot oh, about that in my rewatch that scene he kind of just inch by inch moves the sheets and you you don't know what's happening I mean that yes. that oh scene gosh. of the horse head in the bed is I was I watched this with my wife who had never watched The Godfather all the way through. And when the scene came up, I was like, this is literally one of the most iconic scenes 
scenes in the history of cinema. Yes. Like, I, how do you not go with the horse head? Agreed. And Phil, great point. Here's why. Because if you imagine there's a husband and wife sitting on a couch. The wife is an animal lover, loves dogs, cats, horses. The husband is a businessman, loves to make money, provide for his family. They're watching this movie. They see the scene. They set it up with this horse. It's going to make a bunch of money. It's an adorable horse, blah, blah, blah. And then the very next scene, you see this horse dead the me- the wife is thinking oh my god that precious horse like that's so unfair to the animal like how could like this person so devastated that their beloved animal is dead and then the male is thinking like oh my gosh that's so much money flushed on the toilet like this investment that the- he made in this horse and the future of all the winnings that this horse is going to make like it just hits on every single level and it's so just iconic in every way that it's a yeah sure a guy hanging in the you know meat lock or whatever, but the horse thing, you can't beat it. No, I go Godfather here, but for different reasons. This is like the ultimate expression of nanny nanny boo boo. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah, like exactly. it's like like sneezing on someone's food as a joke. This is the worst version of that. Oh, you like that horse, huh? Well, you didn't do what we wanted to do, so I'm gonna cut that horse's head off and put it in your bed. I mean, the leap that a person makes. No, but uh, it hits on two yeah. levels. Imagine, like, imagine someone had a six thousand dollar or six hundred thousand dollar car. You'd be like, oh. So he fucked yeah. up the guy's car. That's mean. Yeah. Or imagine the guy had, you know, a, a worthless animal, but it meant meant something to him. Like that was his pet dog. Okay. Well, he killed his dog, but it's not, at least it's not worth anything. Yeah. But it's the marriage of those two yeah. things. Like it's your beloved animal and your freaking valuable investment. This was a faux pas, even though there it's a real horse and all that. This, this was a major faux pas. I mean, I think by the time we get to Goodfellas, violence is not something that we're, you know, we're on our way to being dis- desensitized, but now sure. in the 2020s, we have GTA and all that. We're very desensitized, but I, uh, one thing that we don't have the benefit as of people being born in the late 80s is that we didn't see this in theaters for the first time. By the time I saw this movie, I knew about the horse head. You know what I mean? Like, that had already been spoiled for me, so, because I saw it in my early 20s, but imagine being in the theater, seeing this for the first time when it came out, not knowing that this guy, inch by inch, and that scene is long. Like, they did a great job milking that. Like, there's three minutes there where he wakes up and he He's got this beautiful bed, silk sheets. He lives in a mansion. Inch by, and there's blood. Like, what is that blood? Like, you don't, you're, I wasn't, even in when I saw it in my early 20s, I was like, I didn't think that was the horse. I thought maybe someone hurt him. Like, maybe right. he, maybe well, he. And so did he. Like, he yeah. looked at himself. You thought, oh my gosh, he's bleeding. And his screams were very well done. That's the underrated oh, part. Is, yeah. oh, oh! It was, it was like true terror. And then it panned yeah. out to the house or whatever. Yes, and you it heard zooms it from, out. Yeah. Out, out. It's, Which may have been one of the first, yeah, that's yeah. such a cliche now, but like as it panned out further. Like, yeah, as much as I, and, and the thing is, is we were so used to violence by the time we get to 1990. And and this this crew in Goodfellas, they, by the time we got to a guy hanging in the freezer, people in dumpsters, we were, we had seen so much violence. The Corleones and these mobs in general didn't really resort to violence. What do they say, Phil? it was the first since 1946 this is the first time we'll go to the mattresses right they talk about how long it had been since the last time we had bloodshed it had been 10 years yeah Yeah. so but by the time we get to Goodfellas violence is just they just shot people for fun I mean that was just how they operated so it's definitely more shocking Godfather steady lead here 7 to 3 we got two more categories it's not going to catch up but we got to talk about these because these are amazing categories would you rather get pistol whipped by Henry 
Ooh, by the way, that's the craziest scene. I don't think I'd want to be pistol whipped by anybody. Or beaten <laughs> by the trash can lid with Sonny <laughs> beating Carlo Rizzi. Oh. I mean, two horrible things, but I mean, gosh, both of these scenes violent, but you don't want to do either. But Phil, you start us off here. If you got to choose one. I think I'd rather be beaten by the, the trash can lid just because. It's hollow. It's hollow. Like that scene was, he was beating the shit out of him, but somehow Carlo just kind of weaseled his way away the whole time. Dude, being pistol whipped, like any to anybody listening who's ever held a gun before, you know the weight and, and thickness of those things. You hit somebody with that, it's over. And like, Henry landed pretty much every shot was a dead-on nose I shot. I don't want to be hit with that. Yeah, his nose was basically in the back of his skull by oh, the end of that. Yeah, yeah, no thanks. So you go, you would rather be trash can lit. Oh, yeah, okay. all day, every day. Drew. Also, there's something to be said about being whipped by a gun because the guy could easily just pull the trigger. Yeah. Yeah, he, well, I mean, with a gun, he could, if, if the goal was just to kill you, he could put you out of your misery and just do it. But he chooses to make you endure pain and suffering. Whereas with a garbage can. your friends can, watch. Yeah, with a garbage can, it's like, well, this is the best I got. I want to I wanna beat you, and this is the only thing that I have at my disposal. The pistol whip thing, that's that's brutal. So I don't know. I don't remember what, who, won how, or what it's, the category. What was, wins but. is the thing you'd rather be hit by. Oh, so I'd rather be. I'd rather be hit by the garbage can. <laughs> that is yeah. brutal. Yeah, you want to go trash can lid here. I mean, you don't want to be beaten by anything. And we're not mobsters, so we probably don't ex experience this on a day to day basis. But if I'm in the mob and I do some bad stuff and I pay the recompense, I don't want to be beaten by Guys, Henry Hill's this, pistol. This is a podcast. It's not real. We're yeah. theorizing. Drew, you want to add this today? Best Italian cooking. There's a lot of food. Food, both in prison and the homes, but which food was the most appetizing? Which one say, I want to eat that food with those people? Drew. Okay, great question. I think that the best recipe, the most clear, concise Italian recipe, Godfather, hands down. However, I think that the food in Goodfellas, which was inspired, in my opinion, by Godfather, looked the most delicious. And when Leota was like unpacking the grocery bag with the wine and the bread and like the dude was cooking the sausage and shaving the garlic. Like, I was actually getting hungry watching it. So yes. I'm going to go Goodfellas. Love it, Phil. Man, I hate to be such a homer, but I go Godfather just because when... Clemenza. Yeah, it, Clemenza. Yeah, Clemenza. When he's showing Michael how to cook after he gets off the phone with his girlfriend or whatever. And he's like, and you put your sauce and I like to do this. And then when he dumps that bowl of meatballs and sausages into the pan, I every time I see that scene, I just want to eat whatever <laughs> he's cooking. Like, yeah, that scene is why Emerald Gossi has a career. Yeah. <laughs> why does he just have pork, beautiful pork and meatballs just sitting there? I'm like, God, that meat by yeah, itself but, looks good. But you good. gotta put in the meatballs. Yeah. And he's like, and he puts in your sausages and meatballs and he like shoves it in there and those meatballs, they're huge. That's what Italian meatballs are supposed to look like. Like This these came fucking, from a rich guy's bed. Yeah, these tiny ass fucking meatballs that you, you see like at these stupid Italian restaurants in your hometown that are fucking terrible, by the way. Clemenza, those big ass Italian meatballs, that is what it's all about. Yeah. And, and those they're big and the sausages if you've ever had real Italian sausage there's nothing like it and uh, man uh, once again razor thin like I admire shaving the garlic so you can so you can uh, liquidate you know 
know, the garlic in the pan. Both movies have incredible yeah. depictions of food, but man, I wanted to eat the pasta that Clemenza was cooking in yeah. The Godfather. So I go, uh, I go Goodfellas, and the thing is, is what's interesting is that food is used in both of these movies. Think about at the end of Goodfellas, what does he ask Michael to do when he goes to run the coke? Don't let the sauce stick to the bottom of the pan. Keep stirring the oh, sauce. Yeah. Food is so important, and to me, it's the irony, and and maybe maybe we relate to this more as 2021 Americans versus then, but food is not a centerpiece for us for the most part. Food is something we do on the way to something. Even these mobsters who kill people, move drugs, do all this crazy stuff, food is important because Sonny, and Sonny points it out, what does he say to Clemenza when he's teaching Michael the recipe? We have all this important stuff to do and you're talking about sauce. But Clemenza is very, it's very important to him that he says, Michael, this is how you make sauce. You've been in the military, you don't know how to make sauce. This is how we as Italians make sauce. It's used as a device to remind us that in all of this chaos, yes, it's crazy to us that they're killing people, moving drugs, cheating on their wives. Food is where we meet. We move drugs, we have affairs, whatever, but food is food and it's it's what unites us. So I think it's interesting that in both of these films, but I actually go Goodfellas here because I actually was more appetized by the sauce in Goodfellas because as, <laughs> as he's describing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want garlic, I want sauce, I want the fried tomato paste, I want all that in my body. But I love that <laughs> shot, the garlic razor thing. Oh, the garlic razor was, it's one of the greatest. That it's really amazing. is genius. It's one of Scorsese's art shots. Remember when I earlier when I talked about how Scorsese wanted certain shots to look like paintings? That was one of them, that close up on the garlic. He wanted that razor thing, garlic thing to look like a painting and yeah. it really showed me the the convenience of prison. Like these guys were, yeah, they were in prison, but they were living, they were eating. Together, yeah. They eating were eating better food, food than any of yeah, us at the exactly. time. Exactly. So I, really I showed their values. They did. Yeah, that food is so important. Like, uh, what is even this? in prison? Oh, the bread. That's very good. That's very good. What does Polly say when he gives him the bread? Like, oh, this is very good. This is, you know, it's. Yeah, when he pulled out the, the wine, he's like, now we can eat. Now we can eat. Like we couldn't eat. We couldn't mm -hmm. have dinner until you brought this this yeah. kind of red wine. And it was it was funny because at the end of Goodfellas, when he's talking about why it sucked to be in witness protection, one of the main points he makes is that not just because he was away from the life, but he couldn't even get a good sauce. That was the thing he went to. So yeah, this is a funny bro category, but food is used in these films in a big way. The ketchup, the way Jimmy Conway does the ketchup, like that was a highlight thing for De Niro. Like they realized how important food was to these cultures. So I do go Goodfellas. Um, but again, both great films. And we have a final score here. Eight to four, Godfather. Started off kind of close. Ended up being separated by four. But again, just like every movie wars, we picked two freaking winners. Yeah, these movies, they're neck and neck. The two directors in their assumed apex and their assumed, yeah, everything. And yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. And I really enjoyed getting back into Godfather. I didn't give them enough love. And because when I was younger, I was like, oh, these movies are too long. But now I only watch... Long. Now I criticize movies for being too short. Yeah. So There's watching not time. me watching all three Godfathers to prepare for this was a pure joy. Um, I wish we could get to all three somehow. But yeah, anyway, great films. And we're going to finish the way we always finish. We're going to go with the uh, what we prefer. Let's start with film this, Phil this time. We already know, but where do you? It's tough. I mean, but yeah. they're both incredible films. I'm a, I'm a Godfather lifer. I also, it just speaks to my preference in film. I prefer a slower film where there's a lot of narrative and there's a lot of fleshing out of the characters. But it's not to take away from what Goodfellas is. I love Goodfellas. I also like Godfather. To me, is like is a it's a part of literally my a part of my life. So I go Godfather. But I mean, once again, it's by the hair the hair that I've described in the past. 
Love it. <laughs> oh so, please don't not talk gonna about describe police it terrors. Uh, I mean, yeah, what's left to be said about Godfather? I mean, I think obviously it's a, it's a phenomenal gangster film. It's a phenomenal film about family. It's a character study. It's a great period piece. I think, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a clinic in acting and directing and storytelling. It's just, it's a movie that we'll be talking about for centuries. Goodfellas, I mean, there I read before this podcast that the director, Scorsese, called the author once he read the book and said, I've been waiting my whole life for this book. And the author, I forget his name, said, I've been waiting. Nick Pelleggi. Nick Pelleggi. He was like, I've been waiting my whole life for this call. And the rest is history, as you, as they say. So uh, Goodfellas, to me, it's, it's maybe it's the millennial in me that just enjoys the more modern, up, updated version of the, the gangster epic. I'm going to go Goodfellas. Everyone knows I'm a Martin Scorsese lifer, but... Coppola, Coppola made one of my top five films, which is Apocalypse Now. It's not that I'm I'm not a Coppola fan. I am. I love things that are real. And one thing that I love about Scorsese, the reason I go to him is because he, we, we make fun of him in other episodes because what he does is he takes the thing that makes people deplorable, zooms in on that thing for three hours. That's the Scorsese thing, which turns a lot of people off. But in this case, it's warranted. I mean, this gave us the view of mob life that we didn't know from Godfather, which is the Godfather gives us a little bit of glamour. It's not always glamorous right but it's kind of sexy you know it's the rise to power it's the the ascots whereas with this movie it's like this is the ingenuity this is the entrepreneurship this is the work you know this is the behind the music and I love that behind the scenes look and uh and I'm all about performances and every performance in both of these movies is great but Pesci is a revelation in Goodfellas I mean that the fact when I found out that that scene the I make you laugh scene was improved this is a different I can't even relate to it. I, a, I'm not a good actor. I've tried. I'm not good at all. And B, I can't relate to a guy that can improv that scene. Um, you know, and it's funny because you got Brander reading on cue cards, not a knock, but it's just funny you find out that Pesci's improving that scene, Vito, Marlon Brando is reading on cue cards. You know, it's just a weird thing. But um, I, I just saw, and I, I think it's De Niro, the thing that he gets criticized for, which I think he shakes in heat when he he turns in a different performance. He's at, he's at the top of his game as a mob guy who gives us that little twitch of yes I'm paranoid and it's just his eyes but it, it was enough to send you over the edge it's a young Ray Liotta we don't know him um, I just think it's a Scorsese more at the top of his game than Coppola at the top of his top of his game so a hair a bleached hair as Phil says but I go Goodfellas and maybe because it was on VHS and DVD in my house but yeah I, I love it but both perfect films thank you so much uh, for hanging out with us today and uh, if I leave you with one thing remember you never rat on your friends and you always keep your mouth shut. You get the papers, you get the papers. Am I right? I'm Kyle. I'm Drew. Take the cannolis, I'm Phil. That's right. We love you. Bye. Drew, Phil, and I want to thank you for hanging out with us on the Movie Wars podcast. If you want to hang out with us until the next episode drops, find us on Instagram and TikTok, username Movie Wars Podcast. If you really love us and want to support us financially, we would love you back for it. Contributing to us on Patreon not only supports us financially, but it gets you access to private content that's not available to everyone. Thank you again for hanging out with Drew, Phil, and I. We love you. Have a great week. Thank you.